Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? All right. I'm so excited to be here in a new building, be starting a new series. How about God is good? And all the time? Amen. Amen. We're glad you're here. We, we know some of you um, have come before and you're returning to visit. Some of you, uh, this is your first time. Some of you have never been to church, and I'm glad you're here as well. You're welcome here, and we love that you're here with us. We're starting a new series, and we're going to go deep quick. We, we, why waste time when we're in a moment in our culture right now where there is a ton of tension related to race, related to ethnicity, related to divisions and barriers in our country? And I think one of the reasons why churches might be afraid to go there is we just don't know how to talk about it. But the good news for us today is that these issues of division are dealt with all throughout Scripture. They're all throughout Scripture. And so as, as people who follow Jesus, we don't have to be afraid to enter in. We don't have to be afraid to open our Bibles and ask tough questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a time where there are divisions everywhere. There are divisions politically, there are divisions racially, there are divisions socioeconomically. We don't have to be afraid of those uh, because God deals with it in Scripture. Today, our first, our first sermon in this series is going to be called The First Blended Church. We're actually going to look at a church that's known for having crossed over barriers in ways that no church before had done that. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 11 and Acts 13. So I'm going to read God's word to us, and we're studying a church called the Church at Antioch. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. Hellenists means Greek people. And they were preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. We skip a chapter and we come back to the leadership roundtable of this new church. And it says, now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The word of God. 
Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that you would be with us in this moment, that this would be, yes, informational, but also transformational. That as we look at what you did in a first century church, that you would give us new vision for what you could do right here with us in this place, in this city. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. When I first moved back to South Florida, I'd grown up here. And when I first moved back to South Florida, it took me a while to kind of get back into the, the mindset of a South Floridian because I'd been gone for about 17 years. And one of the things I realized about South Florida during that time is that South Florida is diverse by default. It's diverse by default, but, but there's not really a sense of breaking down barriers in order to be blended. Let me tell you what I mean. One weekend when I was here, I, I, I went and I went to the beach and right off the beach, there was this huge patio. It was an area kind of like this over here and there was a wall around it. And as I went and hung out on that patio just by myself, kind of just enjoying some time to myself, I, I looked around and sitting on the wall, there were people from different backgrounds and different skin colors and different languages. And, and one particular group of people, they were Spanish speaking people, they had a speaker and they turned the music up. And the music was something in Spanish like, dance with me, dance with me, you know? And I was looking around the wall and everyone was kind of swaying. I, had, I saw people who had black skin and people who were from a Spanish background and white guys like me. And we were all kind of sitting around the outskirts of the wall and we were all kind of swaying to this music that said, dance with me, but no one was actually dancing with each other. And I thought, you know, that's a little bit like South Florida. South Florida, we're kind of all thrown in this together. And, and South Florida is diverse by default. But are we actually going across the patio to other people to break down barriers and actually be a blended family? Now, I, th I think some of that happens, but there's always, there's always a barrier that needs to be crossed. I mean, let me, let me just, let's get, let's get real deep real quick. How many older black men do you see mentoring younger white guys? Okay, that's, what, that's the kind of thing I want to talk about this morning, because all the diversity of South Florida can actually be a facade of how deep we really need to go with one another, of how we really need to cross barriers. And one of the things that I saw as I went and visited other churches is that, you know, I would go to a church that was Haitian, but spoke English, and there was no white people there. I was the only white guy in the whole church. And I thought, well, this is a good church. This preaching is pretty good. Why are there no white people here? And I, and I would go to white churches and, and see very few Latinos there. And then I'd go to Latino churches and they were Spanish speaking, but I have a lot of friends who speak Spanish who aren't Latino and they weren't there. And I thought, why is it? Why is it that we're still so separated in the church why is it that there's churches that are defined by being older people and, and churches that are mostly young people? Why aren't, why, aren't, why aren't they all together? Why aren't they blended? And the reality is you can categorize every type of church. You could categorize this church if you wanted to. But, but there were a few churches I went to that were really hard to categorize. It's like, what, what type of person is here? I can't really nail it down. It was beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen to see people from all different walks of life and all different ages and, and all different types of clothes coming together to worship Jesus. 
I think in the church in general, though, we've submitted to those barriers. And at times we think that church is about us being comfortable rather than seeking Jesus' purposes. We want church to be uncomplicated. And so we submit to those barriers rather than breaking them down. The church at Antioch shows us that Jesus wants more. That Jesus wants more from his church. See, the reality is you and I have a small view of Jesus. And we have a small view of his purpose for the church. We have a small view of his purpose for the church. The purpose for Jesus' church is to be a blended family. And as we're a blended family, Jesus is put on display. Jesus is put on display. In our text, the passage we're looking at today, the church had been mostly in Jerusalem, and it had been mostly led and attended by Jews. Now, there were wonderful things happening in this church in Jerusalem. Thousands of people were coming to Jesus. Thousands of people were joining the church. Miracles were happening. Miracles were happening, supernatural acts of God, and they were sacrificially loving each other. That sounds like a great church. But Jesus wants more. Jesus wants more. And what ends up happening, they're supposed to be reaching out to non-Jews, but they do it kind of slowly. It's like they don't quite get it when Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They're like, Jerusalem's fine. We'll just chill here. But it takes persecution to get them out. So what happens is the powers that be in Jerusalem say, we don't like these Christians. We're going to make them suffer. And that actually spreads them out of the walls in Jerusalem, and they begin running. And they begin running. And some of them run north all the way to the city called Antioch. Antioch's a, a multicultural city with diverse people. See if this sounds familiar. Here's a couple things about Antioch. Antioch was a big city but not the biggest at that time. Sexuality was really important in Antioch. It was a trade and transport center. So it was a hub for trade and and, and people traveling. And because of that, uh, it was a crossroad of cultural influences. An author said it was a crossroad of cultural influences. Does, Does that sound like any place you know? That's South Florida. That's South Florida. And in this place in Antioch, the city of Antioch, another author said it was ethnically cosmopolitan. There were people from all over the world there. There were Syrians and Romans and Greeks. There were Cappadocians and Persians and Arabs. But rather than it being blended, there was actually a lot of ethnic strife in Antioch. There was divisions based on race and ethnicity in the city of Antioch. Not only that, but they had huge socioeconomic problems. About half the people in that city were slaves. And there was such a problem with poverty that half of the children born died in infancy. So there were ethnic barriers, but there were also socioeconomic barriers in Antioch. And here come these Jews from the church in Jerusalem fleeing persecution and landing in Antioch. All of a sudden, they're in a totally new place with totally new values and totally new types of people. And and they see the barriers between them and these other people. And for a Jew, the barriers between them and a non-Jew are huge. 
we don't quite get it in our mindset. If I, if I were to say like the leaders of Black Lives Matter and Donald Trump, you're starting to get in the category of the divisions between Jews and Gentiles. It's serious. They had different customs. Um, they, they, the Jews had a mark on their body called circumcision, which set them apart from those who weren't Jewish. And they had different ceremonies, different religious ceremonies that they thought cleansed them before God. And if you didn't do those ceremonies, then I can't be around you because you're going to get me ceremonially, ceremonially dirty. So in the Jews' minds, there's a huge barrier between them and the people of Antioch. And as they get to Antioch, some of them say, well, we'll share Jesus, but we're just going to share Jesus with people who are like us. But a few of them took a risk. A few of them saw themselves as barrier breakers, and they began to cross that line. And they crossed that line and shared the good news of Jesus with people who were very much not like them. They crossed those barriers, and it says this, the hand of the Lord was with them. That as people in the name of Jesus crossed over barriers in the power of Jesus to share Jesus, the hand of Jesus was with them. The hand of Jesus was with them, and a great number of people turned to the Lord. A great number of people turned to the Lord. Now, sometimes when I talk about this, people say, look, that's really great that you want to be a church that crosses over barriers, but you should just let it happen and see what the Lord does. And to that I say, Antioch. There were people who just let it happen, and what they let just happen is relationships as normal. But when someone intentionally crossed over the line in the name of Jesus, Jesus works. And so I don't think that we can say, just let it go and God will do what he's going to do. Because here in Antioch, they crossed over barriers and Jesus did something new. Jesus is going to do what he's going to do, but he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you as you cross over barriers. And listen, pursuing Jesus's purpose means that you purposefully break down barriers. Some people say, look, I'm just about following Jesus. And that's great if you want to do all this social stuff, but I'm just about following Jesus. But here's the issue. If you were to actually follow Jesus in the first century, like you were literally a disciple and he said, come follow me, and you were to go on ministry with him, you would be crossing all kind of barriers. Like you would be seeing social lines and you'd be following Jesus and Jesus would just walk right across them. And you would be, did he just see what he just did? Jesus was hanging out with lepers. He was hanging out with prostitutes. He did an entire mission trip among non-Jews. He spent time with a Seraphonician woman. He hung out with people who were in poverty and sick and ceremonially unclean. So if you want to say, I just want to follow Jesus, guess what? Jesus breaks down barriers. Jesus breaks down barriers. The reality about each of us, though, is we'd like to think of ourselves as barrier breakers, but really we are barrier builders. There's something in us that deeply wants to build barriers, and the greatest barrier that we have is between us and God. We have made a barrier between us and God. The Bible says that we are created to live a God-centered life, but we live me-centered lives. We live with ourself at the center. We make our decisions based on what we want without ever asking God. 
God is meant to be our orientation point, and we've built a brick wall up between us and him so we could just do what we want to do. God has allowed us to build that wall, and we find ourselves separated from him. And the reality is if we die on the other side of that wall, we die eternally separated from him. The good news about God, though, is he is the ultimate barrier breaker. God is the ultimate barrier breaker. And the central teaching of Christianity is called the gospel. And the gospel says God broke down the barrier between you and him. In God's great love, he sent Jesus Christ, the God-man, to die in your place. Jesus, who never built a barrier between him and God, Every decision he made was based on looking at God, but he also never built a barrier between him and anybody else. He sacrificially loved every single person he came into contact with. Didn't matter if they're rich, poor, sick, healthy, religious, non-religious, insider, outcast. Jesus perfectly loved everybody and he never built a barrier. Yet he took our place behind the barrier so that the barrier could come down and we could be restored to God. Jesus was crucified on the cross. And as he was crucified, the father turns his back on the son and builds a barrier. Jesus, who had always been in relationship with his father, finds himself on the other side of the barrier, taking the consequences of our choices of building a barrier. Jesus was placed in a tomb separated from his father, but the stone over that tomb was not an eternal barrier. Because on the third day, he kicked that thing open and rose from the dead. And now you and I, if we know Jesus, we have no barriers between us and God. And Jesus gives us the power to break down barriers between each other. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're exploring Christianity again, I'm glad you're here. Um, Let me invite you, though, if you see yourself as a barrier breaker, why wouldn't you follow Jesus? Jesus, the ultimate barrier breaker, wants to break down walls between you and God, but he also wants to empower you to be a barrier breaker in this city. So if you see yourself as a barrier breaker, why wouldn't you follow Jesus? Jesus is the barrier breaker par excellence. And his goal is to reconcile us to God and bring us into a family together. So that wall between us and God is gone. And that wall between us and each other is gone as Jesus makes God's blended family. If you want to talk about that specifically, that specifically about what barriers might exist between us and God or what barriers might exist in our city, I want to invite you on Wednesday night to come to our Google Hangout. We're going to be answering the question specifically, what barriers exist? And I canceled it on Tuesday because I know y'all are going to be watching the election. So by Wednesday, we should have plenty of barriers up, shouldn't we? Lots to discuss. I'm excited. So feel free to join in on that. The Jerusalem church hears about this church in Antioch that's crossing all sorts of barriers. They hear about their Jewish friends who, who go and take part in this church, and it's, it's young and old, it's rich and poor, it's Jew and Gentile. And the church at Jerusalem says, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't really have any categories for this, so we got to send someone up there to check it out. And they send up this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas is a man of God. 
His name means son of encouragement. So he's, he's just a great guy to be around. He's an encouraging guy to be around. And Barnabas sees in this new church, he sees people that are not like him, but now family with him because the barriers that Jesus has brought down between them. And rather than being scared, rather than writing it off, he's blown away. It says he's glad, he's excited. He sees a tangible expression of the grace of God as barriers come down and new people come together believing in Jesus. And he stays. You kind of get the sense that he was supposed to go back to Jerusalem and report to them what was going on, but he, he stays there in Antioch. He's like, I'm staying here. I want to be part of this. And he stays and encourages this new church, and it just continues to grow. More and more people join this blended family in Antioch to the point where it gets too big, and, and Barnabas is like, I need some help here. I need some help from someone else who's a mature believer in order to help this thing keep going. So he's heard of Saul, later who becomes the Apostle Paul, and he goes to Tarsus, and he finds Saul, and he brings Saul back to Antioch. He still hasn't checked in with the church in Jerusalem. He's just so excited about what's going on. And there they spend years, a year, just pouring in and investing in this church. And what's amazing about this church is the social commentators of the day didn't really know how to categorize it. So it's Jew and Gentile. It's slaves and free. It's rich and poor. It's young and old. What in the world do these people have in common with one another? Jesus. Jesus. I say, well, they seem to have Jesus in common with one another. And since we can't find any other way to categorize them, let's just call them the Christ people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. It's amazing, isn't it? That this group of people stratified across all the barriers. I mean, normally we try and assimilate each other, don't we? You got to be like me to be part of this. But in this blended family, there's people from all different backgrounds and the people that don't know how to categorize this new spiritual movement. And let me tell you something, when the church is pursuing Jesus' purpose for the church, people will have a hard time categorizing it. People should have a hard time categorizing it. Stanley Harvoss says that we show the world something that it is not, a place where God is forming a family out of strangers. Now, of course, that creates a lot of tension, that creates a lot of hard things, and we're going to talk about that next week. The sermon is entitled, Different But One. But one of the ways that you know that a blended family is really growing is if they're, if they're willing to enter into each other's problems. Because each of our people groups has problems, don't we? We have things that we are going through. And at times, we, have, we just say, look, that doesn't really affect me. So, sorry, you're on your own. But that's not what this church does. What this church does is they say, if Jesus' people have problems, then those problems are our problems. And this prophet comes up from Jerusalem. And he says, look, there's going to be a famine in the world. And, and, and the people in Antioch 
It doesn't say they went to Jerusalem and they checked it out. It doesn't say that they were, that, you know, they sent a, a team to go down there and make sure it was really happening. They said, it says that they gave generously for this problem that their blended family was having. Now remember, there are Jews in this church, but there are people who are not Jewish. And yet both Jew and Gentile gave generously to this problem in the Jerusalem church. They participated even though they hadn't physically seen the problem. They gave generously, not because it affected them, but because it affected their family. And they were willing to enter in and be stretched for their brothers and sisters. Friends, there is a racial problem in our country. And what I fear is that because as a white guy, I can easily say, well, I don't see it, then I don't have to enter into it. If I don't experience it and I'm not convinced that I don't have to listen to my black brothers and sisters and what they say about it. See, we have built up this barrier in the body of Christ where we don't trust each other. And people who are not black have said, look, I don't see it, so it must not be there. We need to listen to what our black brothers and sisters are saying. Even if we don't see it, we need to enter into it. We need to, we need to walk with them and, and get to understand what is going on in our country. I, I know some of you would say, look, I don't quite know how to do that. You know, I, I don't have their perspective. Amen. You can start learning though. And some of you would say, look, but every time I talk to someone who's black, they see the problem everywhere. And I know it's not everywhere, but look, our job is not to parse out what's going on in their minds and heads. Our job is to enter in and walk with them. Look, if you, if you, if you've experienced racism once in your life, or let's just say that you're in a room of people and, and that someone goes around the room and looks at people in the eye, but he doesn't look at your eyes because you're black. And let's say that happens to you five times. Or let's just say that 10 times you notice that someone skips over you, but they don't skip over everyone else and you're black. How are you supposed to know after that what is racism and what is not? Of course you're going to see it everywhere. Of course you're going to have trouble figuring out what is racism and what is not racism. And our job is not to correct our brothers and sisters, but to enter in and walk with them and get to understand their perspective. Just like the church at Antioch, barrier breaking and being a blended family means that we sit and we listen to people who are not like us and we enter into their problems even if we don't understand and even if we don't see it. This church does that. They enter into each other's problems. But here's the amazing thing. They also submit to one another. We end up in Acts 13, where this new church has grown, and now they have their own leadership team. And far from being colorblind, the author of Acts lets us know their color. There was Simeon from Niger, there's a man on the leadership team who was a black man from sub-Saharan Africa. The next person, Lucius of Cyrene. Cyrene was near the northern coast of Africa. Then Menean, 
who had a privileged upbringing. He was raised with the son of a king. Already at their leadership table, you can't quite categorize it. There's people from all over the world and art, different backgrounds. And then you have Saul and Barnabas who are Jews, but raised outside of Palestine. Well, I'm a little cynical. So my first question is, wait a minute, this could be tokenism. Maybe they're just getting this diverse leadership team there at the table, and it's going to be tokenism. Tokenism says we want your color, but we don't want your culture. Tokenism says we want you to be present, but we don't want you to have real power. Or as Duke Kwan says, diversity is about who's on the team, but inclusion is about who gets to play. So Will, Saul, and Barnabas, who started this church and are leaders in this church and have discipled these very men who are at the table with them, will they allow these men to play? Thankfully, the answer is yes. The Holy Spirit speaks to this group, and even from the way the text is written, we get the sense that the Holy Spirit was speaking to these new members of the team. And the Holy Spirit tells them, set aside Saul and Barnabas, because I want you to send them on a mission for me. The Holy Spirit tells them, I have raised up Saul and Barnabas. Will Saul and Barnabas listen to these new leaders who they have raised up? The text says that they do. They do. They submit to the very people that they trained. Submission in leadership. That is blended family. And that is beautiful. You know people are really embracing when they care about each other's problems and when they're willing to submit to one another. That's why earlier I said, how, how many of you have seen an older black man mentoring a younger white man? What are we missing out on with the experiences that our black brothers and sisters have had in this country? Jesus wants to do something more. He wants to us to love and not just love each other, but love across barriers and create a new kind of family, a blended family that puts Jesus on display. You see, this is at the very heart of the reason why Jesus died. What? Before Jesus goes to the cross, one of the most famous prayers in the Bible is prayed by Jesus in John 17. And as he ends that prayer to his father, he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as we are one. I am them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Amen. The message is impossible to miss. As Christians break down barriers and walk together in unity, not having their interests in common, not their ethnicity in common, not their class in common, not their language in common, but Jesus in common. It puts Jesus on display and legitimizes him in the eyes of the world. Unity in Jesus from diverse people puts Jesus on display. Now, some might say that's a spiritual unity. That just means we believe the same thing. But how's the world supposed to see spiritual unity? 
This is meant to be lived out in a day-to-day life in the church, in our city, in the community, so that it can be put on display. Would you dream with me just for a moment? Dream, dream with me for a moment. What if on Sunday morning, young people inconvenienced themselves to pick up handicapped people in our community and bring them to church? What if an older black man, what if one of his jobs in the church was to mentor young men, including white and Latino men, not just black men? What if our children, what if we trained our children in our children's ministry to break barriers in the name of Jesus? What if there were a variety of people up here throughout the service leading us and they all looked different and they all spoke with different accents? What if you heard a murmur of translation in the back row from people translating the the service from English to Spanish, but then some weeks from Spanish to English? And then what if at the end of the service, we gathered in a circle to take the Lord's Supper together? And rather than having a privatized moment with Jesus, we had a family moment with Christ. And you had to look at your brother and sister in the eyes as you pass the plate to someone who looked different than you. And because we eat different foods, smell different than you. Hey, you know, by the way, uh, one of my friends was in Asia and and the Asians told him that all white people smell like sour milk. So we all smell differently. Rather than having a privatized moment, we had a moment together as God's blended family, not celebrating diversity, but celebrating Jesus. And then after that, we went out into the community together. We went out into the city of Hollywood and Hallandale together. And rather than avoiding barriers together, we identified and broke down barriers in the name of Jesus. Not judging those who are different than us, but listening to them as we share Jesus. Not just delivering Thanksgiving turkeys to people and then walking away. But inviting those people to eat Thanksgiving in our home. And celebrating the fact that we've crossed barriers but never thinking that we've arrived. Because as soon as we break down a barrier, there's another one to break down in the name of Jesus. There are more barriers to be broken. What would this city think if they saw that happening? Who are these people? Those are Jesus people. Those are Christians. And it's beautiful. Can we be barrier breakers? Can we break down barriers so that Jesus would be put on display, both in the church and in our city? That's at the very core of what we're about here at New City Fellowship. Because New City Fellowship is God's blended family. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we look to you and ask for the spiritual power to do this. We don't want to submit any longer to the barriers that we ourselves have constructed. And because you've reconciled us to God, we know that you can break down any barrier. So we pray that you would empower us by your spirit to be barrier breakers in our city. Lord, thank you for each person here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.